Welcome to Connections SLC Live from the 2022 America's Society Leadership Conference in Boston. I'm your host, Lauren McAdams, Senior Director of Society Relations. In this episode, we're speaking with Marg Franklin. Welcome to the show, Marg. Thanks, Lauren. I am so happy to be here in person with you. You're in Boston for the America's SLC, but you've been doing a lot of other speaking events recently. Who have you been speaking with and what are the topics you've been asked to speak about? So uh, you're right. We've been doing and I have been doing lots of speaking and it's definitely a game on for a number of topics. Most notably is ESG and DEI. There's hardly a meeting that I go into where those two aren't brought up. And I think it really highlights a couple of things that are on everybody's minds. The first is, does the industry have the skills and capabilities to really capably handle the ESG file and DEI? And then that really gets down to talent. Are we bringing the right people into the industry? Are we looking at our structures in a post-pandemic world um, that are suitable for making sure that the profession is as, as good as it can possibly be? And that really reflects a dramatically and rapidly changing investment industry, what's required of us, what output looks like, who's in it, uh, what we're tackling with. And then that really gets to another group that I spend a lot of time with, and that's employers. And they're really looking to us to help them in educating and upskilling their talent. So even people who, like me, might have gotten their charter many years ago, whether it's on ESG, whether it's on risk, return, and impact, whether it's on global macro events, a dramatically changing investment landscape, it is imperative that investment professionals are really up to speed with most up-to-date skills and capabilities. And so we're engaging with employers in a way we never have before, which is really exciting. How do you feel presentations have changed in a post-pandemic world? Well, <laughs> I remember one of the last in-person meetings I did was actually with a society and we were just talking a little bit about the pandemic and its implications and somebody had worried about virtual events cannibalizing their in-person events and a number of very senior people said I can't leave my desk in the middle of the day I've got I'm just too slammed up so virtual might really be a good thing and so I think despite the really difficult times that the pandemic has placed on us, it's also expanded in the ways that we can engage with people and including especially, I think, a much wider audience than any of us imagined. So not only did it not cannibalize our uh, our events, society events, um, it actually really expanded our reach with people. And I think that's a pretty, pretty great benefit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Obviously, virtual events were a critical touch point for societies over the last two years. What are some highlights from the network that have really stuck with you? Well, I think four things um, that were important beyond beyond just the virtual events. Um, the first is, of course, we experienced really a crisis. We had planned to launch computer-based testing for the very first time for just level one in February 2020, and we were going to then launch level two the next year and level three. We had over 300,000 candidates that had been displaced. And so we scrambled to have all three, all three levels be available in that first year. And that really tested every part of our organization and infrastructure. And so the first and foremost thing is how societies rose to that occasion. 
I'll give you just one kind of precise picture. And that is when we offered deferrals in February 2020 and cast your minds back, we didn't have a vaccine. Um, the Delta variant had just come. It was raging through India and the UK in particular. And we had all of these people calling who had been canceled or wanted to be canceled, wanted to um, leave the exams because couldn't get tested for COVID in time, but weren't feeling well. We had over 66,000 candidate calls. And of course, we weren't set up for that. So many of those deflected to uh, societies. And I think societies did a remarkable job. They were our eyes and ears also on the experience that candidates were having in their markets. And that really helped us deal in particular with Prometric and making sure that the facilities were improved. So I think the first and foremost thing is how they have really helped us out with um, with the candidates. Um, I think the second thing, though, is I, I just saw this extraordinary commitment to betterment of our profession. And I saw collaboration like I've never seen before. So societies coming together to bring um, across markets, but with common interest, innovative programming to their members. And I, I think that oftentimes um, necessity is the mother of invention. And I just saw amazing um, agility, adaptability, kind of really getting to the heart of what it is we do and how do we serve our members best. I think the third thing is really partnering with us to strengthen our collective relationship with members, regulators, and candidates. So I can think about so many instances where societies reimagined and reevaluated what they were doing in their particular communities. And we received a lot of those calls because some of them were really at the nexus point of CFA Institute, what we're trying to achieve and what member societies are trying to achieve. And that was really, I think, quite rewarding and spoke to the strength of the strength of the relationship. Likewise, there were moments where societies, as you well know in your role, were calling and bouncing ideas off of us. It may very well have been in the remit and scope and wheelhouse of a local society, not us. But I think that also speaks to the partnership, just that um, ability to talk through certain things. And then finally, we could never do at CFA Institute alone what societies do. And that is to really bring that unique market perspective to ethics, education, and professional excellence. And I think about so many opportunities that societies with their volunteers and members on the ground have identified and then really seized upon. And I think that that, um, if I think about what that does for us, there's CFA Institute, which provides a very global reach, provides um, a certain activities and initiatives that are critical. But the fabric, the weaving of that, the strength of that really comes from the connection of societies on the ground. And of course, these society leadership conferences finally back in um, are the opportunity for us to really not only hear and understand, but really feel the magic of that of that volunteering aspect of the ambition that we collectively have, because I really believe that the world needs us more than ever. It needs more educated, ethically oriented people who are pursue, pursuing excellence in a way that uh, has probably never been needed as much as now.
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And certainly societies are well suited uh, to bring the voice of members, candidates, employers, universities, and others to us. And that'll be a big theme of our conference. Um, switching gears a little bit and looking forward over the next couple of days and on to the rest of the, the year, what are some opportunities uh, for the society network that you see coming up? Well, certainly uh, on the minds, I think, of all societies, and certainly in my conversations with them and, and the team's conversations with them, is the society operating model. And what does it mean for each and every society? So as you know, I have really um, believed that societies are not homogenous, that they have unique opportunities, unique challenges, and within their own markets that are specific to their market, uh, whether that be through members, regulators, employers, or otherwise. And so I think the society operating model, and specifically how it relates to membership, provides is the opportunity to reimagine and reevaluate what each society is doing. And I always think about comparative advantage. So is there something in your society that you know distinctly and have a unique ability to be able to satisfy that need to make members better at what they do, to reveal the opportunities to candidates and industry professionals that uh, can happen in collaboration with CFA Institute and society, but that are really uniquely identified and then executed upon by the local societies. Yeah, great. Um, podcast listeners will have an opportunity to hear from many of the division heads at CFA Institute. Could you give us a little preview of who's coming and a couple of the things they will touch on over the next couple of days? Yeah, so I, it's a really exciting lineup. Um, Paul Moody, who has been with us for now almost seven months, leads our global partnerships and client solutions, and of course, society's membership um, fit under him. So he is dynamic. He comes from the industry uh, with a number of decades of experience, and I think is really, really keen on our society network. So for those of you who are here in person, you will really enjoy getting to know him. We have Tom Barry joining us, who leads our marketing and customer experience. And of course, many of you have asked about branding, um, demand generation. So Tom's your guy. Rodri Priest will be speaking to us about the future of work. This is that seminal research work that really helps shape our thinking. And I think societies will provide, will find it provocative and useful for your own work. Meredith Cowton will be joining us from University Relations. We have Courtney Neal, who's joined us recently and is a new position for us leading our volunteer engagement and volunteer experience. So uh, I suspect people will be uh, pounding a, a pathway to her. And then, of course, Randy Tolber and Jen Garbowitz um, will provide uh, the conference retrospective when we finish up. And they'll be focusing on the president council's meeting and, of course, in Randy's case, society operating model workshops and Jen will really kind of coalesce that from the PCR perspective. We also have Richard Fernand and Anastasia Diakaki, who will be talking about professional learning. A little bit of a reveal, investment foundations is one of the discussion points which many societies brought to our attention uh, that was really important. And then, of course, Chris Weesey, who heads our credentialing, will be talking about how we're evolving the program to make sure that it remains as relevant and as prestigious as it always has. So he's some really exciting stuff that I think uh, societies will be really interested to hear. 
Yeah, that's a great lineup of speakers and topics. Aside from this conference, what can society leaders expect from CFA Institute leadership in terms of communication this year? How will we connect with them? Well, let me start with 2022 has been a year of deep learning on communications. It has been a very challenging year for us on communications. And part of that is when, and I will just say from a straight line, when somebody asks me about strategy, I'll tell them our strategy. And perhaps uh, in the, particularly the annual members meeting, um, we got a lot of feedback on tailoring what we're communicating in ways that are applicable specifically for society. So um, I am going to make remarks around give, get, and connect. And when I think about that, I really think on the give, I'm hoping that all of you will provide us with the insights that will make us better communicators with you. So I, I will say we communicate a lot and we're going to try and make that more effective for people. The other thing that I'm very excited to announce for those of you who may not know is that I've asked Randy Tolber to assume responsibility for members and membership in addition to a responsibility for societies. And this, I believe, ensures much greater connectivity and synergies. We have a deep shared responsibility and I think care and dedication to our members. And so uh, I think Randy, as a charter holder, as somebody who has worked with societies for a very long time, has great knowledge and experience and then a real passion for all of this, will do a fantastic job. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I really appreciate your time today and giving people insight in this conference and what's coming up in the year. Any closing thoughts you want to share with our listeners? So I think if I were to leave everybody with one thought is the last two and a half years have been so challenging and nobody's been exempt from it. And that has been in our professional lives, in our personal lives, and in our volunteer lives, which are often opportunities for such deep satisfaction and expression, maybe the connection between our personal and professional lives. And I think that's been really challenged. What I do see is in the last few months, this extraordinary opportunity and need for what we are collectively doing. The world is terribly complicated right now. The investment industry landscape is changing. The conditions that we've faced over the last 30 years, whether it's declining inflation, declining interest rates, growing GDP, make a perfect trifecta for an investment landscape. That's all changing at a time when society is asking us to think about our impact and role more broadly on the effects of society. I find that a terribly exciting time. And I, I think the convening power of CFA Institute, the people that I see calling us who want us to lead, creates an extraordinary opportunity for all of us. And I find that incredibly exciting. And I know societies are such a part of that. So I think collectively, it's a pretty exciting time, irrespective of how challenging it might be. Great. Great. Great note to leave on. Uh, thanks for your optimism and thanks for your time today. Great. Thanks, Lauren. And uh, really looking forward to the all of these society leadership conferences. I think they'll be fantastic.